him. My kiddo is crying. It's okay. He doesn't know we're here. He's crying over something else. Josh, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, goodness. Keep it together, man. Keep it together. You got this. He's not. <laughs> cool. You ready? Yes. All right. Hello, animal lovers. Welcome to my podcast, where I geek out about animals. I'm Nicole, and you are listening to Animal Facts. This podcast may not be suitable for all listening ears, specifically young ones. And I just want to remind everyone that I am not a professional, just an animal enthusiast, because I just love learning about them. I think they're so cool, and they can do so many cool things. Some things I say may just be my opinion, and sometimes I am misinformed. Or sometimes I am just straight up wrong. So forgive me, I am only human after all. But please email me at animalfactspodcast at gmail.com so I can correct myself and I also have the chance to learn from you. Thanks for joining me. Enjoy! Welcome animal lovers to the Animal Facts Podcast. I'm Nicole and joining me again this week is... Marae! Marae! Because I know you all loved her from the last time she was here. Because I loved her from the last time she was here, which was secretly only like two seconds ago. What? No. Hi, <laughs> <I> Warp. <laughs> but she's back because she's great and she's super helpful and she loves me and supports my dreams. Yep. She supports my animals. <laughs> Love. <laughs> I just blinked on my words. I was going to be like geeking out. I don't know. Uh, my passion. There we go. Yay. My animal passions. That's the word. Cool. Alright, so this week's personal question is a very easy one, because I know you know the answers, which is why. But, what do your names mean? My name's... uh? I mean, you can share your middle name if you want, or you can just do your first name, whichever. Okay. (laughs) I was like, how many names do I have? (laughs) Anyways. Okay. Whew, I got scared when you said I would know the answer. I'm like, what if I don't actually know you the do, answer? You do, because we've talked about this so okay. many times in our days. Because <laughs> you were always telling me, like, all the names of a bunch of your siblings. <laughs> and then also, like, names that you liked because of their meanings. Yes. You're very much into the meaning of names. Yes, indeed. Although I am quite forgetful, so. It happens. But I do happen to know that my name <laughs> is Murray. <laughs> And it is a Hebrew word that means, I always say it means wisdom because it actually means God teaching man. And a lot of people are like, oh, your name means teacher? Are you going to be a teacher? And so I said, no, it means wisdom. <laughs> ah, well, there you go. But yeah. And the second half to this question is, do you think it's fitting? I get asked that a lot. <laughs> and it, it feels pretty like, um, uh, I can't think of the right word, but. I would say yes, even though it seems pretty, like, weird to say, oh, yes, I am so wise. Like, conceited? Yeah. I don't think it's conceited to think you're wise. I think I have some a special wisdom. Self-confidence. And nothing's wrong with self-confidence. More people need self-confidence. It's not wrong to think positively about yourself. <laughs> See, that's wisdom. <laughs> that is wisdom to know that I have more to learn. That's true. You see, you're wise, but you still have space to learn. Gain more wisdom. Yes. I think it's a very fitting name for you. <laughs> we you. talk about it all the time. Like, Marae is a few years younger than me, but she always seems like the same age or older than me because she's very mature. Or 
I am an old lady at heart. That too. You know, which is fine. I'm like, totally my fine. niece. Because I've met your sister, who is the same age as me, but I get along with you better. Probably because I know you better. Uh, yeah. But also, I feel like in general, like, we connect better. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm just immature. No, I feel like I just... I feel like you're just mature. I'm just connectable. Yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> Maria is great. <laughs> My name is Nicole, as the people know, and Nicole means... Wait, wait. What? Your name's Nicole? What? Since when? What? <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> Without an H. <laughs> nice. Yes. I feel like so many people still spell it with an H, even though I feel like no one spells it with an H anymore. Like, the ultimate spelling of Nicole is without an H. Mm-hmm. Now it is. No offense to all the Nicoles that have an H in your name. You're still loved. You're still wonderful. But your name is spelled wrong. And your name still means victorious people. <laughs> and we are victorious. We are victorious. <laughs> do I feel like my name is fitting? I feel like I do look like a Nicole, but I also don't know what else I would look like because I've only ever known myself as a Nicole. <laughs> I do feel that most often in games you are victorious. Yes, and <laughs> in games I'm victorious. <laughs> I feel like I, I don't know, it just, I think it depends on how you look at a victory. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kill a lot of plants. But I have kept a lot alive, so I call that a victory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like in my own pursuits, I'm pretty victorious. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it's fitting in its own way. I'm not, like, a victorious person at war. I don't think I would do great. But in my own <laughs> my own battles oh, yeah. of passions and arguments, I, I come out pretty victorious. Yeah. I'd say in your own pursuits, you are a victorious person. Oh, thank you. So, yeah, our names fitting ourselves. Yes, our names are our identities. Yes. Good job, parents. Good job. You have defined me (laughs) from birth. It was inevitable. (laughs) Cool. You ready? Yes. For your clues? Oh, yeah. All right. It is a mammal. Yes. And it has an A in it. It lives on the land. It does. I really want it to be a platypus. (laughs) I wish I could do a platypus for you, but that was actually our very first episode. Gosh dang it. I am so sorry. You guys stole my thunder. I am so sorry. I wish it could be a platypus. (laughs) I can tell you all about platypuses later, though, if you want. Or you can just listen to the episode. I'll go back and listen to it. Our very first one. It's very clunky and very... Because we're, like, just figuring like out platypus. our flow. Yeah. Platypuses are pretty crazy. <laughs> All right. So, um, <clears throat> your first official clue is that they are the oldest mammal species. So they've been around since, like, the dinosaur era. Whoa! <laughs> is just like blank face, like what? Uh, well, at first I wanted to say platypus. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to say like an ape or something of that sort, and then you said dinosaurs, and now I'm thinking something more like a dinosaur, like a like a <laughs> like an alligator. Are the alligators mammals? No, no, they're not. They're reptiles. That's duh. <laughs> of course they are. No, it's not duh. No, it is. <laughs> it's not. Okay, now I'm going with what's now, some animals surprise you where you think they're one thing, but then they end up being a completely different thing. Wait, what? And then I was gonna go with chicken. 
but that does not have an A. It's also not a mammal. <laughs> Chickens aren't mammals? No, they're a bird. Birds aren't mammals? No, they a- they lay eggs. <laughs> oh. I guess I just don't know what mammals, mammals are. Yeah, mammals are things that are warm-blooded. Um, they usually give birth to live young. There's, like, the few exceptions, like the platypus is an exception. Um, they nurse, like, with milk. Okay, we're going with apes. mammals. Apes. Good guess, but no. <laughs> I liked it, though. Um, they have the ability to lower their body temperature, and they have, the bo- like, the lowest body temperature of most other mammals. So they are kind of a funky mammal. They don't follow all the mammal rules. They're a cold mammal? They can't be a cold mammal. <laughs> They are a funky mammal. Oh my goodness. I can't think of what things are. Um, You wanted a platypus, apparently. I'm giving you the next best thing. I promise. (laughs) An anteater. Oh, not not a bad guess. I like that guess. Armadillo. No. (laughs) I like your anteater. You'll understand the anteater guess in a minute. It it was a good one. Um, This one's going to just... What? They have backwards hind feet. Backwards hind feet? So their back feet, because they've got four feet, they've got their front four, and then their back four, and they are backwards facing. I can only imagine a human foot right now. (laughs) And it, like, backwards, and it's really freaky. Just imagine that, but animal. So it's cuter, and it's got claws. (laughs) Or paws. Koala. Nope. I don't know. But that is a marsupial, so not bad. This animal isn't necessarily a marsupial, though. Okay, you ready? Yes. <laughs> Drum roll. <laughs> it is the echidna. Echidna. Echidna, what? which is the only other animal animal that is like a platypus. <laughs> oh my! So goodness. platypuses are in um like a group called the monotremes. So they're mammals that lay eggs. Yes. Echidnas are the only other species in that group. You know, I really tried to pick something that laid eggs, and you just told me no. I didn't say no. I just (laughs) said birds lay eggs, they're not mammals. And then I also said that platypuses are a weird mammal, along with another one. And I didn't tell you what it was, because I'm telling you what it is. Echidna? Echidna. Didn't know they exist. That's okay. Um, When you uh, listen to the platypus episode, you will learn a tiny bit about them. Because we also, but that was also when I had no idea how to say echidna, so I kept being like, enchilada? Enchilada? So this little animal, we call it an enchilada, not to be confused with the cheesy dish. (laughs) Echidna. Okay, they're super cute. (laughs) These are echidnas. Oh, they are cute! They kind Mm. of look like a porcupine anteater. They do. That's pretty cute. Yes. I like it. They're like a weird kiwi bird platypus anteater porcupine thing. Duck thing. I don't even know. That's a lot. Okay. <laughs> they look like a lot of funny things, but they're just an echidna and they're super cute. Okay. So, like I said, they belong to the monotremes group, um, which has the platypus and the four species of echidnas. So we're going to talk about all four species because most of them have like pretty general, all the same stuff. But then a few of them have, like, a couple of things that are different. So I'll, like, emphasize the differences. 
However, doing the research, a lot of the research didn't emphasize if it was like one specific species or all of the species had some of these things. So if I mix information on species, I apologize now. You are forgiven. Thank you. <laughs> um, so you said anteater. Echidnas are also known as spiny or spiky anteaters. Heck yeah. So that's why it was a good guess. <laughs> um... But yeah, echidna. You wanted a platypus? This is literally the next best thing. Ugh. They are just as weird. And yes. just as, like, they break their own rules. It's oh. ridiculous because they're a mammal that lays eggs and echidna. feeds milk but doesn't have nipples. They're weird. Echidna. Not echidna. enchilada. Echidna does not have nipples. That's what I got from what you just said. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so some general info about them is there are the four species, and they're split into two groups. Um, one of the groups are long-beaked echidnas, and three of the species are long-beaked echidnas. Their scientific and less scientific names are the Zaglassus bruigini, Bru- nah. which is the western long-beaked echidna, and then the Zaglassus and Aten- Antonborough, Antonborough, which is the <laughs> Sir David's long-beaked echidna, which is named after someone, Sir a naturalist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Zaglassus bartoni, which is the eastern long-beaked beaked echidna, and then there's the other one, which is a short-beaked echidna, and that's the other like one that's in its own little group. Um, and its scientific name is the Tachyglossus aculitis. So we got Zygna, Zagna, Zagna, and Tachy. <laughs> yes. And a lot of them are named after, like, the different naturalists that have discovered them, like, their last names, which is, I don't know. Um, <laughs> or also their little Latin names. So the Zeglossus means through the tongue in Greek. And then the Tachyglossus comes from the Greek word quick in tongue. And aculitis means spiny. So, spiny, Tongue-y. long tongue, all those things. Which makes sense, because it's like an eight years. They got their long little nosy yeah. tongue, and then it's got its weird porcupine hedgehog spines. Yep. So, got it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will be referring to them, for the most part, as long-beaked and short-beaked. <laughs> and if, like, they're Western or Eastern or Sir David's and all that. Um, mm. And then... The long-beaked echidnas are all found in, like, mostly found in one area, while the short-beaked one is, like, native to a different area. So that's, like, one of the other ways that, like, Zaglossus versus Tachyglossus or whatever is, like, (laughs) their regions they're found in are different. But the easiest way is long and short-beaked. Okie dokes. Their appearance. We keep saying beaks, but they are basically just long noses is what they are but they're commonly called beaks i don't know why (laughs) but that's just what it is um and then they have like tiny little robust bodies kind of like a porcupine hedgehog you know um and then they have like pretty wide feet and they have small eyes and then the short-beaked echidna has dark fur and it's mostly covered by its hollow barbless quills which are called spines and it's also on its back and sides while the long-beaked echidnas have a little bit less fur and their spines are a bit more visible. Um, and more, sorry, they have more spines. 
And then their spines typically are beige to black. Um, and that's for all the species. And they're about two inches, which is about five centimeters long. So they're a decent sized spine. So they're spiky. Don't step on that guy. Yeah, don't step on it or hurt both of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Poor little guy. Um, the spines help them to camouflage into the brush. And then they have short legs, which are ideal for digging. And then their front feet are so powerful that it's e- like they can easily just dig straight down into the earth. So they can just like go right back down. That's pretty cool. Little yeah. burrowing guys. Yeah, they're they're fast burrowing guys. Um, and then their hind legs, like I said, are pointed backwards. <laughs> it's super weird. Let's see if I can show. I was like, I want to see the picture because. That's weird. Backwards feet. That's pretty weird looking. Uh-huh. I really like this view of him. He I looks know. pretty, pretty He just cute. looks like you can pick him up and snuggle him. He's just like, hey guys, right. how you doing? He's just hairy, chilling with his like weird spikes. I like him. Less, less creepy. Yeah. This one looks like the kiwi bird. Yeah. Because it of its weird beak, which is a long beaked one versus a short beaked one. Oh. But look at their backwards feet. It's so, so weird. weird. Yeah, super weird. There's a lot more weird things about this animal. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. <laughs> um, they have on their back feet, they have an extra long claw on their second toe that they use to comb or scratch dirt and bugs out of their spines. So to groom themselves. Um, they don't have teeth. Uh, but they have teeth-like projections on its tongue, which is, like, what helps them to, like, slurp up ants and termites and things. Um, and then their tongue can reach about 7 inches or 18 centimeters when it's fully extended. It's a pretty long tongue. Uh, yeah. Um, and then they have hard pads at the base of their tongue and in the roof of their mouth to be able to grind up their food into a paste for swallowing, since they don't have teeth. They basically have, like, these... They're like old, old people went, rah, 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 yeah, rah, they're like it. tough gums, <laughs> hard, hard pad gums, leathered gums, leathered gums, gross, <laughs> so gross, <sighs> um, their ears, they don't have like actual ears, they're just large vertical slits just behind their eyes, oh, um, but they have really good hearing, so. It obviously works, you know. I after doing a lot of this research because they're super old, I'm like, is this what our future is for evolution? <laughs> our ears are slowly gonna move up to our and eyes. just be slits. <laughs> I just don't understand how they care. Just, just wait. It just oh. they just get weirder. I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember if I talk about how they hear. I did all this research like at midnight. We'll get. We'll get I don't remember. But I also don't remember half the things I talk about, like, do when I, like, do another animal. So <laughs> it's all, like, relearning for me, too. Yes. But there are a few things I remember because they're just super wacky and weird. And we're, we're just getting to the good stuff. Oh. <laughs> uh, you might get a little uncomfortable with some of the things. But I didn't intentionally pick this animal for this. I learned about a bunch of these things after I picked this animal. And I was like, what? Oh, what? <laughs> You'll see. It's okay. gonna be great. Okay. <laughs> so, we talked about their ears being slits by their eyes. Um, then both male and female echidnas have a pouch on their belly, which makes it very difficult for people to tell if they're male or female. Mm. Um, because they both have pouches. 
and they uh, do not have external genitalia. So it's like their genitals are internal, and then instead of having a place where they pee and poop and have babies, um, it's all one hole called a cloaca. So that's where they mate, where they lay eggs, where they pee and poop. All that stuff comes out of one hole, so it's, like, really hard to tell what gender is what because yeah. males and females are basically the same. Um, most of them, though, the males have spurs on their back hind legs similar to platypuses. So Mostly. Yes. All the males have spurs on their <laughs> back legs like the platypus, but one of the species, the females, also have them. Man, they're just, like... Very gender neutral. Yeah, beings. they are. Yeah, they they really are. <laughs> Don't matter. <laughs> um, and then depending on the species, they can be a length of fourteen to thirty inches, so like two to three feet, roughly, give or take. Um, and then they can weigh anywhere between five and a half to twenty two pounds. And then some websites said that one of them can get bigger, but I'm not really sure because it was only one website that said that, and most of the other ones kind of gave me the general for all of the species. Mm. So we're just going to stick to 5.5 to 22 pounds. It's pretty wide range mm-hmm. there. Which is about 2.5 to 10 kilograms. So, yes. Some of them are smaller, some of them are bigger. So the eastern long-beaked uh, echidna, it differs a little bit from its other echidna cousins because it has five claws on its front feet and four claws on its back feet. And then both males and females are born with the spurs, um, but then the females eventually lose them as they get older and the males keep them. Mm. So eventually you can kind of tell, but also getting close enough to them is difficult. Their spurs, unlike platypuses, though, are not venomous because platypus spurs are venomous. Echidnas are not venomous. Um, Because they're friendly little guys. They are cute little friendly guys. And then for the eastern long-beaked echidna, the females tend to be bigger than the males as well. So it's also more like, what? Um, (laughs) And then for the western long-beaked echidna, it has three claws on its feet, and it has a short little stubby tail. I don't really know how stubby it is, but it's got a shorter tail. And then its (laughs) snout curves down, which makes up half of the length of its head, so it's got a longer nose. And then um, its claws depend on the individual. Some have, like... Three claws on their middle digits. Some have, like, all five on their feet, on their toes. So it just depends. Each individual has different claws. So I don't know if they, like, lose them in battles of sorts or if... I don't don't know. (laughs) I really have no idea. And when they're digging, they hit a rock. They chip a nail. (laughs) They chip a claw. Ow, that would hurt. That would hurt really bad. Or they're just born that way. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. They don't really know. It just depends on the individual, I suppose. Um, And then the Sir David's long-beaked echidna. It has more dense and fine fur with a few white spots. And the short-beaked echidna is the smallest. um, And it weighs about 4 to 15 pounds. And it's only about 12 to 18 inches long. Little guy. Yeah, he's smaller and he's got the shorter, the shorter little nose beak. That's not a beak like a bird, but you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so they're conservation. Mm-hmm. What do you think? You told me that they have been around since the dinosaur ages. <laughs> They've been around so a good long I while. I feel like they're going to be around for a while longer. They're good evolving. You're not mm-hmm. wrong. Alright, so the short-beaked echidna's conservation status is of least concern. 
However, the long-beaked echidnas, each of them have a different uh, range. So the... Oh, man. I don't know which which one it was that was basically, like, they thought was endangered. Or no, they thought it was extinct. And then they rediscovered it. They're like, oh, it's not extinct, so now it's just critically endangered. <laughs> oh. Um, I don't remember which one it is. Because when it was giving me this, it was, like, all in their scientific names. And I hadn't figured out which scientific name belonged to their less scientific name. And I was like, ah. <laughs> so... One of them was thought in extinct and then discovered that it was still alive, but it's, like, super endangered. So, the western long-beaked echidna and the Sir David's long-beaked echidna are both critically endangered, but the Sir David's long-beaked echidna's population hasn't been recorded since 1961. So, it's been a long time since they've, like, done checks on, like, mm. what is its population? So, that one might be the one that they thought was gone, but isn't. But then when I was reading it, I thought it was a different one by its scientific name. But I don't know. Yeah. And then the uh, eastern long-beaked echidna is endangered. Um, it was critically endangered, but now it's, like, more endangered to, like, critically threatened. So it's, like, its population is going up slowly, which is good. So that one's making a comeback. Um, and take then... over the world. Yeah. Or the short people it is. Yeah, more likely. Um, And the western long-beaked echidna has also experienced an 80% drop in its population in the last, like, 50 years. So that one's population is dropping pretty quickly, which is sad. All kinds of crazy stuff. So that is their conservation status. Neato. Basically endangered for the most part and threatened. And then the other one is, for the most part, fine. (laughs) For now. (sighs) Yes. (laughs) All right. So their history, Ooh, long you would history. think that they have a super, super long history, but I don't have too much on them. I have some stuff, but sometimes the history is just complicated and boring uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> with uh-huh. like a lot of science like descriptions and I'm like, eh. Yeah, like nobody actually cares. That just sounds Nothing. like I'm going to be like stumbling through the words. Yeah. Or like, I don't know. What's the word? Uh, lecturing it oh. sounds it feels like a lecture and I don't like feeling making it seem like it's a lecture you know I like it to be more fun like mm-hmm. a conversation so okay mm-hmm. so they are the earth's oldest living mammal and its evolution dates back to the era of the dinosaurs um platypuses are also in the group of oldest living mammals so they've been around for a really long time which is probably why they're super weird which is why I'm like is this our future <laughs> is this our future? Because of just on our face. Because of like how they've evolved into the different things, and just like what? <laughs> um. So the echidnas have the spurs similar to the platypus, but they're not venomous, right? However, their genetic makeup does have the code for four of the peptides that are found in platypus venom. So they believe that the genes are still like highly expressed in the echidna, indicating that. They have the remnants of the evolutionary history of their ancestors' venom gland, which basically just means that they have the genetic code and makeup to make venomous spurs, but they just evolved to not. They're like, we don't got to be that mean. Yeah. <laughs> so they have the ability and they but, have the I makeup mean, and they have the genetics, but they just evolved to not 
making it venomous. They use their spurs for something else now. So now they're dying. Some of them. (laughs) (laughs) So the platypuses are also dying and they have venom. So which their venom is crazy. You'll have to listen. Mm. Venom is crazy. Okay. So um back to their history is that they are also um like a ancient ish one has a world record. <laughs> um, the largest egg-laying mammal of all time was the Hackett's long-beaked echidna, which was the Zagglass's Hackety? Hackety? I don't know. Um, which was known from fossil remains in Western Australia, and it weighed up to 100 kg, which is 220 pounds. Um, and it is... Yeah. It was, a, like, a relative of today's echidna. Um... But it was the size of a sheep, and it lived during the, I don't know, some period, which was 2.6 million years to 12,000 years ago. So, that a good long while ago, but not, like, super, super kind long of ago. terrifying. Like, those as, like, little guys are cute, but coming, I just imagine, imagine like, coming upon one the size one. of a sheep. Yeah, with its spikes. Like, that would be so terrifying. That's, like, the Lord of the Rings animals, right? Yeah. Like, or, like... From Princess Bride in the forest. Oh, yeah. The R-O-U-S's. Yes. The rodents of unusual What those are related to are, like, today's possums. Those are, like, ancient possums. (laughs) And hedgehogs. There's actually... I think you talked about it in the hedgehog episode. There is an ancient hedgehog that literally looks like an R-O-U-S. That I, like, copied a link of a picture of it and put it in the research. I'm like, it's literally an (laughs) R-O-U-S. Wow. (laughs) It's crazy. But, yeah. A sheep-sized echidna doesn't sound as cuddly or fun. No. That's safe. And they probably had the venom. (laughs) Not only were they massive, but they could also venomize you. Yes. No thank you. Luckily, though, they no longer... Well, I don't know. Luckily, they've evolved to what they are. We'll go with that. Little cute guys. (laughs) Yes. Um, So that is some of their history. Alright, so where do they live? That is a great question. I tried not to give I'm it away. Go with Asia Minor. <laughs> oh, Asia Minor. <laughs> so the three lo- the three long beaked echidnas are native to New Guinea, mm-hmm. and then the short nosed echidna is native to Australia. So apparently, I'm on an Australian Australia. thing. Well, I didn't Australia intend. It just has everything. It's true. You they can't... have everything. It's not your fault. It's just Australia. They just have the coolest things. <laughs> That's not necessarily true. But, you know, they have a lot of cool, cute things. They have the platypus and the echidna. And the peacock spiders, which, you know, we talked about earlier. Anyways, Australia has a lot of cool stuff. And kangaroos. And I love kangaroos. Also a lot of terrifying stuff. Yes. Yes. They have a lot of death things. Yes. Because, you know. Yeah. Okay. So, the short. (laughs) It's true. They, They do. They, they really do. For such a small continent, they have everything. <laughs> <laughs> the short-beaked echidna is abundant and found nearly in all Australian habitats and also in some eastern parts of New Guinea. And then the, like, they typically enjoy or prefer moderate temperatures, but they can be found escaping the heat in shaded areas or also making tunnels. Or hiding in fallen logs, caves, and they just like to burrow underground to stay away from the hot. Because mm. they have a low body temp. Mm. Um, 
And then the long-beaked echidnas live in forests and in high mountains or in the alpine meadows, and they tend to avoid the coast. The so, alpine meadows. That just sounds really peaceful and it beautiful. Does. It does. Let's go burrow there. Let's go burrow in the alpine meadows. Relax all day long. <laughs> and not worry about being murdered. Stretch our spines. Yes! <laughs> Sunbathe our spine. But also burrow because they don't like the heat. Because <laughs> they might die. Yeah. Okay, so diet and hunting. What do they eat? Mice. No. They eat worms, insect larvae, and then the short beaked echidna eats mostly ants and termites because they have like that ant eater <laughs> nose and tongue. Um, they don't see well. So that's why they have really good hearing because their eyes are small and not great. Kind of like a mole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so they have very good hearing, which helps them both to hunt and to hide when danger comes around. They use their claws on their front legs to tear open termite mounds and logs for food. And then, similar to anteaters, they use their spiny, like their they use their long noses. And their spiny tongues to extract the prey from, like, hard-to-reach places. So, like, up in trees or, like, down in the ground and stuff. Um, I just imagine them sticking their face, like, on an anthill and being like... <laughs> yep, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> but they also, like, destroy the anthill at the process as well. Because hmm. they've got the claws to do it. Sharp, sharp claws. Um, and then they are also one of... Four non-aquatic species that uses electroception to locate their food, which is also similar to platypuses. Um, the other three are platypuses, cockroaches, and bees. They're all non-aquatic species that can use electroception. So, what is electroception? It is the detection by usually aquatic animals that um, detects electric fields or currents. In order to find their prey. That's pretty cool. It's super, super cool. So they use their electroception system to locate their food because they have 400 to 2,000 receptors on their little snouts on their beaks, which make it super sensitive to subterranean movements so they can find their food very easy and fast. So they don't have the best eyesight, but they've got really good hearing and they've got their electroception, which senses... All the kinds of things. I just am imagining badger moles right now. (laughs) Yes! Badger mole. Badger mole. Yes! Very, very much like that. And their feet are very similar to badger moles. Just imagine the back ones reversed. (laughs) (laughs) So, they're cute like that. So, yes. Badger moles. Thank you, Avatar. (laughs) And the platypus bear. For real, it gives us all the things. Uh, it really does. I love Avatar. I feel like I talk about that a lot. <laughs> you should. I should. It's a great show. Um, all right, so threats and predators. What What gets them if they can't get them? What do you think is their threat and predator? I'm trying to think of what would eat them. What would eat a spiky ball? <laughs> yeah, for real. Um... What about, like, a warthog? Would a warthog eat that? No, they don't eat other animals, do they? Oh, I feel like they could. 
don't know. They just feel mean and scary. Know. I don't know if warthogs are in Washington. Well, they might. Wild boar. Warthogs. What's the difference? I don't know. I have to go in there. I feel like there's a difference. <laughs> yeah. Because Pumbaa's a warthog and I feel like they're in Africa. Yeah. But that could just be a Lion King assumption. <laughs> I mean, they are in Africa, but I also feel like they could be mushrooms. Yeah. Or just a wild boar. Like wild boars. Anyways. <laughs> uh, or like a wolf-like thing. I don't know. Yeah. Alright, so. They. I'm going to tell you how they avoid danger first. So then we understand what gets them. Um, the echidna will dig straight into the dirt. Then only revealing its spiny rear end. Which most things don't want to pull that out because ouch because yeah. it's spiky um so it makes it almost impossible for predators to grab it and pull it out of the ground and then it also will curl itself up into a tight ball hiding its face and feet similar to a hedgehog or an armadillo adorable mm-hmm. very cute just cute little spiky ball uh so their biggest threat is actually people hunting them people hunt them yeah people hunt them as well, far as, like, a natural predator, I couldn't find too many, like, natural predators of things that eat them. I feel like if something bigger that is carnivorous, like, gets a hold of it, then it'll eat it if it can. But most of the time it's, like, feral dogs or, like, a dingo or something. Um, but even so, it's, like, not super common for them to get them. Most of their threats are hunters. Yeah, because um, some people consider them to be a delicacy, so they're hunted for that. Um, and then they, it has been banned under certain like special circumstances for hunting them, but that doesn't necessarily stop that from happening. Um, and then they're also like another natural predator. Isn't really a predator, it's just a threat. Is um, parasites that, such as tapeworms, that they can get from drinking water that's been infected by other animals mm. I mean I feel like I was like they have lived for so long they probably don't have very many predators they seem like they don't have a lot of meat on them so why would other animals try to eat them yeah they they really them. don't and it's just really hard for them to get them because they just dig straight down yeah. to where you're just like left with trying to bite spike or they curl up where you're just a spike <laughs> so they usually just leave them be so unless they can't get to safety in time is when they get injured they get injured but they yeah. don't usually get murdered by other animals very often to the point that i could easily find that yeah it was mostly people i don't know they just seem like peaceful i'm again i'm just imagining badger moles being very calm just peaceful, in, sweet things in their little dirt mound just Yep. Earth then in a way. Yep. Pretty much. Yeah. They they would be earthbenders. Why didn't they use a kidna? Probably because it would have been harder for them to use an echidna. Because they're spiky. Yeah. Badger moles look cuter because they're fuzzier. Yeah. Echidnas would have had spikes. Echidna moles. Badger echidna. I also would be awkward to say. Platypus bear is easy to say. Echidna mole or badger echidna or echidna badger is hard. They're also not in the Yeah. Anyway. One day, they might make an appearance. There we go. The next Avatar <laughs> series. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever's after The Legend of Korra. <laughs> Alright, so their behavior. Do you think they are solitary, social, aggressive, territorial, very chill, docile? What do you think? 
I feel like they're chill, docile, and I feel like they probably, I don't feel like they're probably loners. They're not, like, hanging out together all over the place. Pretty much, yeah. They're very solitary, but they're not territorial. Um, they're, they're totally fine to share and hang out in the same area with other, like, echidnas. They're fine living in the same area, but they're not, like, Hey, friend! How are you? So they're not super social, but they're fine to be in the same space. They're like, they're like, oh, you're cool there if I'm cool here. Just pretty much like, apartment living. Don't touch me. <laughs> yeah. Don't be too noisy. Yep. Pretty much just apartment living. Fine to be all in the same space, but not like bumping buddy elbows buddy. and being buddies. They're not like, where are my friends? They're like, I'm pretty fine right here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. They're happy to be on their own. But they're also fine to share their space. Seems pretty pretty chill. Yep. Um, they are mostly active during the day, but in the warmer months they will like come out at like nighttime. So they become they can be nocturnal, mostly mm-hmm. to avoid the heat. Their body temperatures are eighty nine degrees Fahrenheit or thirty two degrees Celsius, and they have very slow metabolisms. So our body temperatures are normally like. 98, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, like, almost 10 degrees lower than ours, which is crazy. And that's, like... And they're a mammal, so that's, like, super weird for a mammal to have such a low body temperature. Um, And then they actually will hibernate during the cold months in burrows, and, like, no matter what time of the year, they can also enter um, something called a topher state, which is when they hit about 70, 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Is anyone trying to tell something? (laughs) So the difference between um, hibernation and torpor is that, or torpor, torpor, torpor. I think it's torpor. <laughs> I'm just adding an H to the P unintentionally and saying torpor. <laughs> torpor, torpor, torpor. I don't know. T O R P O R. How would you say that? Torpor, torpor, torpor. It's a weird word. Torpor. Um, <laughs> So, there's no H to make an F sound, but I was adding one unintentionally. So, torpor involves physical physiological changes related to body temperature, metabolism, and water balance. And then hibernation is when an organism spends, like, the winter in a state of dormancy um, for, like, it's basically long-term multi-day torpor um, for survival of the cold conditions. So, hibernation, as we know, is basically sleeping through the winter. Torpor is basically, like, extended naps and minimal hibernation. So they're not fully asleep, like, the Mm. whole time. But they, like, lower their metabolism. They lower all their stuff so that way they don't require as much, like, nutrition or um, calories in the day. And they don't waste as much water and Mm. because it's just cold and they don't want to go out. (laughs) I wish I could do that. Right? I feel like... We do our own version of that. When it's cold, we just hurl, like, cuddle up in a blanket and want to drink hot chocolate and read a book. That's, like, our version of a torpor, and we just want to nap. Yeah, but our stuff doesn't work. Yeah, and we still need lots of food because we don't. All it's just food. us doing way less activity. <laughs> and eating way more food. <laughs> so, that is hibernation versus torpor, and they do both. Um, and then the... Uh, males are known during hibernation that they will sometimes find a female in her burrow and he'll just go in there and mate with her Mm. and so she'll wake up pregnant not even knowing how it happened because she'll just sleep (laughs) through it 
<laughs> she sleeps oh, through no. it. What a what a way to wake up. How did that happen? <laughs> wow, what was I doing in my sleep? <laughs> or who was in my house? <laughs> so animals are weird. <laughs> There's no boundary. They're really... Animals don't know boundaries. They really don't. <laughs> They're funny, though. Um, and so, with their uh, spurs, the males, as we talked about, don't use their spurs for venom. They actually will secrete a milky substance during the breeding, breeding season, which gives, like, off a scent. Um, mm. So, it's basically marking and making scent smells so they communicate through scent. That's one of the ways they communicate. Follow the smell. Mm -hmm. Come to my spurry smell. My smelly spurs. (laughs) (laughs) Which is weird that it's like a milky substance. Wow, that's weird. Gross. Yeah, it's weird. (laughs) Um, Alright, so time for mating and babies. Bye-bye. Life cycle. Alright, so as we said, they are pretty solitary, but they do come together to mate, whether it's unknowingly in a burrow while they're asleep or more awake. <laughs> um, so after they mate, the females actually will raise the babies on their own. Um, independent woman. Yeah, very independent. Uh, oh. Most people don't really know how the long-beaked echidnas go about it because they're so scarce. So a lot of the stuff we have is based on the short-beaked echidnas because they're a lot more known and prominent and then also they have those ones mostly in captivity that they can study as well um so i'm mostly going to tell you about the short-nosed ones and they believe that it's very similar to long-nosed ones anyways or long-beaked um Mm. so the short-beaked echidnas will reach sexual maturity around the time that they're five to twelve years old and then the females will lay eggs and like between every other year to once every six years. It's super random. Every other year or once every six years. Mm-hmm. You know? It just depends. Why be consistent? Right? They're not. They don't need to be. They also have a very long lifespan, so you know what? They have time. They're like, I just had kids. I need I'm a break. Take yeah. a six year break. Right? I need them. I need some me time. <laughs> So, you know what? Independent strong woman knows what she wants. Unless, of course, the male decides to just go into her burrow and be like, you're not pregnant. So, oh, fine. She was like, I was going to wait another four years, but <laughs> fine. Whatever. Guess we're doing this. Yeah. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> so, during mating season, which is between June and August usually, um, the female is then followed by one or more males. So, it could be like a whole group. Um, I'm not feeling very great about these males. Sounds like they're like stalkers. They follow her in a single file line, which is called an echidna train. Oh my gosh, that's kind of adorable. It is very cute. I just imagine them all just like following the leader, basically. So mm. she stops, so they all stop, and like the few don't notice that they stop. So they all like bump into each <laughs> other, and they like curl up in a ball or something, and then they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> if it, I imagine it very toddler-like, you know, yeah. very cute. Um, so they can do this for several days to several weeks until finally the female decides which one she's going to mate with, and she'll only mate with one per season. Um, so she's not going to sleep around with, like, a bunch of the males being like, all right, all right, all right, you've all been so patient. She picks one, and that's the only one, and she only does it the one time. 
Um, she's like, you were like the least annoying of all of the ones, right. all of these guys following <laughs> me around. So I guess. So I guess you're the one. Um, how long do you think she's pregnant for? Six months. Ooh. Nope. <laughs> 23 days. Oh, dang. So they Way have a off. pretty short gestation period because they lay eggs. Oh, duh. <laughs> I feel like if you didn't, it would probably be a lot longer. Well, I was just thinking, I was like, well, if they have, they, like, wait six years, maybe it takes a long time for them to have their baby. In a sense. In a little, a little bit. They they have their babies around them for a, a bit. Not super long compared to some animals, but they hang out for a bit. <laughs> um, so yeah, so they're pregnant for 23 days and in that time they create a little nesting burrow and then she will lay one egg in her pouch and I think it's so weird because they have a pouch like a marsupial but they're not a marsupial because <laughs> um, they lay eggs and the egg is a leathery texture and it's cream colored and it's about like a half inch in diameter and it only weighs like one and a half to two grams. To give you an idea, a standard paper clip weighs one gram. So her egg only weighs one to two paper clips. That's weird. And it's tiny. Um, and then about 10 days later, the egg hatches and it's able to hatch and escape similar to a chicken with an egg tooth. Oh. Um, so that's how it gets out of its little egg. And then the little baby echidnas are called puggles. Puggles? Puggles. Oh. Um, and they're about a half inch long and they only weigh 0.3 to 0.4 grams. So they're smaller than a jelly bean. <laughs> they're cute. They're very tiny. Um, they're just these little, little things. It's crazy. And then the puggles stay in the mom's pouch for another six to eight weeks until, like, their spines, like, have time to harden. Mm -hmm. And then they'll eventually leave the pouch. And then when they eat, they attach themselves to the mom's chest to drink milk. And remember, she doesn't have nipples, so she basically has, like, these milk pouches that just, like, seep and secrete milk. And the baby just, like, sucks it up and laps it up off of her fur and belly. That's so weird. It's super weird. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, it just, it just, the milk oozes out of her pores and it just, you know, <laughs> eats it. So, um, <laughs> the other cool thing about their milk, though, is that it's really, really rich and has, like, a high iron content that a lot of times the milk will come out pink. <laughs> She's just seeping pink. Out of her abdomen. Yeah, but it's not blood. That's so <laughs> It's weird. very rich milk, and this richness in their milk allows the babies to go, like, long periods of time without feeding, which gives the mom time to leave the burrow to look for food and then come back. Mm. So she can leave her baby safe in their home while she goes and gets food for decent periods of time, so she's not constantly having to feed them all mm. day long. Um, that sounds nice. Yeah, it does. <laughs> And then most puggles will nurse for six and a half to seven months. And then after that time, when they're done nursing, they're pretty much independent at that point, grown, happy to go on their own. So they leave their burrow and they don't really uh, hang out after that. They just kind of go on their own separate lives. Peace out, mom. Yep. Thanks for raising me. Bye. <laughs> and then a few years later, they, she decides to have another one, maybe. Um, She's like, I can do that again. Yeah. So how long do you think an echidna lives for? 
Oh, you feel they have a long lifespan. They do. Is for it something this small? It's uh, longer like, than you think. Is it comparable to a human? Or is it... Uh, not... I mean... I was gonna say, like, ten years. Longer. Oh. Twenty years. Longer. Eighty years. Less. Sixty years. A l- closer, but less. Fifty. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, they averagely live to be about 45 in the wild. They've been, like, successfully recorded to be 45 in the wild and more. Um, one captive, was like, individual was well over the age of 50 by the time it passed away. So it lived past 50, but in the wild they typically live about 45, if not longer. On a good, yeah. So they have a decent lifespan for... I mean, they're spiky balls. See what I mean? Like, is this our evolution? Is this what we're meant to be? Are we going to be like a kid that's like platypuses? Yeah. Just living, hiding, lowering our body temperature, hibernating. Have you ever seen the anime? Uh, It's like that time I turned into a slime when it's. No no idea. (laughs) Never mind. That time I turned into a slime. That's not the right (laughs) word, but it's like a long title like that. Interesting. I can't even. My brain is not working, but <laughs> there. It reminds birds. me of a slime. Cool. <laughs> Anime nerds unite and tell us what I'm talking about. What is she talking about? I want to know. Maybe I'll enjoy it. Oh yeah, you would. Perfect. Yeah, then find out so I can watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so here's where they get really, 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 really weird. Oh, and it that, gets weirder? It gets weirder. This is where you're going to get probably the most uncomfortable. Oh no, is um, it sex? Uh, related. <laughs> and uh, this is where I'm hoping we don't evolve like them. But this might be our future. If we're <laughs> on the earth for as long as they've been on the earth. Hopefully we're not, because that's a really long time. A couple million years. A couple hundred million years. Okay, I'm prepared. Are you sure? Uh, No. (laughs) The echidna penis has four separate heads. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to let you process that for a second. Okay. Uh, So, they have their shaft... (laughs) And then they have four heads on that shaft. Do they each do different things? <laughs> uh, they only use two heads at a time, which they're like pairs. So they have like pairs. Um, and they can alternate between which pair they're going to use. Right. And if you look at a picture, I'm not going to show you one. Don't worry. <laughs> Unless you really want to see it. But if you look at a picture, it looks like a paw. Their penis looks like a paw. Yeah, like a little rat paw or like a little naked mole rat paw. Because it's like a pinkish, it's pink because it's a penis. And it just, it's got like its little shaft and then it's like four little, I feel like you just have to see it. I'm sorry, I'm showing you. A kid is okay. Now you want to know because you need the visual. what the heck? It just looks like a paw. Ew. Doesn't it? It looks gross. <laughs> it is gross. It, it It's weird. 
It's definitely weird. Um, it's it's definitely weird. Why does it need four? <laughs> so, um, unlike most other mammals, they um, use their penis only for reproduction, not urination, um, because of their cloaca, because that's where they pee from. So their penis just stays in their body until they're ready to reproduce, and then it comes out of their cloaca uh, when it's erect, but their testicles stay inside, and then it has no scrotum. Um, There's that as well. Uh, They're not really sure why it has four heads. (laughs) They're trying to figure it out. They discovered this a while ago, and then just in June of 2021, they, like, made, like, a huge breakthrough with their four-headed penis, (laughs) which they talk about. They, like, made, like, a whole 3D model of it. It's ridiculous. Oh, wow. Um, And they compare it to, like, the tissues inside, like, versus, like, normal mammals versus, like, what they do and how they're able to alternate between which pair they're using and everything. I'm not going to get all into it because it's kind of confusing and I don't fully understand it either. And I just don't want to misinform people because of my lack of understanding. So if ultimately though. If you're interested in the four-headed penis, you'll have to discover it yourself. There is, (laughs) I did include the link though in our resources. So you can read about their whole study that they did and what they're discovering. It's crazy. Um, but what the scientists said is that they aren't really sure why this is beneficial to echidna males, but they have a couple of theories. One is that it could be an advantage for male-to-male competition when they're fighting for a female. Um, and then the other two is they did another study, but they still have to do further studies to confirm if it's a right theory or not. Um, but they, uh, took a male and, uh, they had it excited and um (laughs) they realized that by alternating the pairs of heads that it was ejaculating through it could ejaculate 10 times in a row without a significant pause which also gives them an advantage yep yep so they can just shoot out a bunch of sperm really fast between all four heads Okay, I'm so, I, I think I understand. <laughs> Super weird, I know. <laughs> this is, like, when I discovered this, I was like, what? <laughs> what the heck? I was like, of course this is going to be the thing I talk about with Murray. <laughs> Why wouldn't it be? <laughs> of course. <laughs> I swear, I did not pick this animal for this reason for you. <laughs> I just wanted to learn more about echidnas, and then I discovered this, and I was just like, oh, no. <laughs> Oh, man. Anyways, I feel like it's fitting, though. It's great. It's great. (laughs) We're learning so much. We are. All right. Along with their unconventional penises, (laughs) they also have unconventional sperm. Oh, wow. Who would have thought? Right? Why not just go even one step further on being weird? So, their sperm is capable and has the ability to work together as a team. Oh my gosh! That's hilarious! It's not, like, the fittest. Yeah! It's it's like, guys, one of us is gonna get there. Not all of us, but one of us, and we're gonna make sure it happens. Yeah, if one of us makes it, then we all make it. You know, it's like, if one of us succeeds, then we're all succeeding. (laughs) That's seriously what it is. So, they 
discovered that they call them bundles. So there's like bundles of up to 100 little spermies. And they're all joined together um, at the tip of their heads. So they form like this sphere-like shape. (laughs) (laughs) That's why they call them bundles. Um, And the the bundles have been observed swimming progressively towards like a like in a vigorous coordinated pattern um, to get to their destination faster. <laughs> and the bigger the bundles, the better they swim. So the more like if there's actually a hundred in there, then the better they swim and the faster they can get to their goal, <laughs> even if only one of them makes it to the egg. But then that group is like, we succeeded. We got you there, buddy. Make us proud. (laughs) Make us proud. (laughs) It's super weird. So they have coordinated sperm. (laughs) They work together as teams. Synchronized swimming. Yeah. Which, if you think about, maybe that's why they're doing so good and they're so chill with each other because they're like... First of all, you can get pregnant while sleeping. Mm Mm-hmm. Second of all, sperm works together. Yeah. Third of all, we have four-headed penis. Yes. So that's why I'm like, I don't know if I want that to be our future. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the coordinated sperm that work together, sure, great. More success, you yes. know, to get more I think we could but... use a little less competitive nature in humanity, yeah. but I don't really want to be in a kidnap. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're cute and all, but. Yeah. So the <laughs> males have their four-headed penis, and then the females have a two-branched reproductive tract, which that's all I got on that. I didn't get a whole lot on there. They're like, that's not as interesting, guys. (laughs) I don't know. Or they just haven't done enough on it yet. But that was my super weird thing is about their uh, four-headed penis and their uh, teamwork sperm. (laughs) Synchronized swimmers? Yep. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So some famous ones. Um, The one that got me wanting to learn more about echidnas was... Two. There's like one that's in the Rescuers Down Under. You seen mm-hmm. that movie, the Disney movie? Um, it's about mice that like help save kids that are in trouble. Oh. Um, and one of them takes place in Australia, which was like oh. one of my favorite movies as a kid. And I was recently watching it with my kid, and I was like, uh, what was it? He called to one of the animals. He's like, "Come on, Nelson," or something. And it's like this little spiky looking funny thing. And I was like is that an echidna? And I, like, had to look it up, and I was like, it is! And I was really proud of myself that I recognized it. So I was like, I want to learn more about echidnas. And then also in um, Bluey, which is on Disney+, Plus, it's, like, a little Australian cartoon about dogs. Um, But one of them is, like, talking about how, like, one of her friends got to see an echidna in real life or something. And I was like, I want to learn about echidnas! Nelson! Nelson! Um, And then the other famous ones that I found where there's an echidna tribe um, in the opening, like, in an opening scene of the 2020 film of Sonic the Hedgehog. So they're the antagonists in the beginning. That's funny. Mm -hmm. So the echidna tribe, they're the antagonists. Which is funny because they're apparently fighting a hedgehog and they look kind of like a hedgehog. It's true. So those were the famous ones I found. Um, I don't really have a story time other than the fact that they thought one was extinct and then found out it's just endangered and then one was endangered and now it's kind of getting better. So, Which is happy stuff. But we already talked about it. So. Yeah. Lightning round! Pacow! <laughs> yes! <laughs> I love how prepared you were. Pacow! <laughs> that was great. Alright, so the echidna has the lowest body temperature of any mammal. 
They are also excellent swimmers and really good at climbing trees. Dang. Right? Who knew? So crazy. The, um, I don't know if this is short-beaked echidnas only or if this is all echidnas, but they have adapted to living underground because it can tolerate the environments with low oxygen and carbon dioxide. It cannot sweat, so it stays in its burrow during the hottest parts of the day, which is why it's adapted to living down there. It basically, like, can get the oxygen that it needs from in between the dirt particles. (laughs) He's living off the grid. He really is. Um, some people say that they can dig a hole just as fast as a human can with a shovel, which is pretty fast. Dang. Unless they're me, then it's not that fast. I was like, I don't know what human you're comparing to. <laughs> well, obviously not Either me, way, but... still pretty fast to, yeah. like, just dig a hole and you're like, it's already, like, what a kitten's done. Okay. Yeah. Straight down. And then, as for, so babies are called puggles, right? Puggles. Um, males and females don't have any special, like differentiating names because the theory is that it took people so long to figure out what sex was which that they just didn't come up with like males are this and females are this so puggles puggles are the babies and males and females are just echidnas they're just echidnas they're just echidnas one just happens to have a four-headed penis (laughs) yes when it finally comes out of its one hole (laughs) oh gosh but yeah pretty much yeah all right, and then as for the special segment, I don't have anything crazy like spirit animal or anything like that, but I have, like, a little, because this is what we did for the platypus one as well, is, like, we compared, like, what the platypus was, like, made up of, like, all the different animals that it create was created by, but I have a similar one for the echidna. The echidna lays eggs like a reptile, has a pouch like a kangaroo, protective spikes similar to a porcupine or hedgehog, a snout like an anteater, and a sticky tongue for extracting hard food, similar to a pangolin. Uh, Electroreceptors like a shark, milk patches like a platypus, and in general, unlike other animals that I know, it has backwards hind feet. <laughs> it's a mosh posh of random little animals. It is Australian's finest. <laughs> <laughs> it is a mosh posh. And it has spurs. <laughs> Like a cowboy. <laughs> so. And sometimes it produces pink milk. <laughs> you know, strawberry milk. Ooh. Iron and iron. <laughs> iron milk. <laughs> oh, uh, gosh. So that is the echidna. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> They're super weird with their forehead penis. It's pretty wild. They are very wild. They're, they're spiny anteater they're cousins to the platypus, kind of, sort of. They're just, they're weird. They're pretty weird, just like you and I. Mm-hmm. are also gorgeous. They are pretty cute. Just I'm like sure you. they are wise and victorious, too. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, well, I mean, they've lived That's for true. so long. That they is have true. to be carrying on some wisdom That is victory. true. That is so true. <laughs> there we have it. The wise and victorious echidna. Yes. <laughs> Until next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Echidnas, man. Thank you so much for joining me, animal lovers. And also, thank you to my special guest this week. Please rate, review, and tell all your friends so I can continue with your support and sharing fun animal facts with you. I would love to hear from you your stories, your experiences, any suggestions you might have. Also, I would love to see any fun, cool art you guys do. You can email them to me at animalfactspodcast at gmail.com. 
You can also follow Animal Facts Podcast on Instagram for updates, cool art, and other fun animal-related news. Click the link in the description for the resources, the donation links to saving the different animals we talk about, merchandise, and other fun things. A special thank you to my family for my really fun drum rolls, my best friend Jewel for my awesome music, and to my guests for joining me in my animal passions. Thank you again, animal lovers, for listening and supporting me in my animal discoveries and adventures. And until next time, bye! Alright, you ready for your last fact that has nothing to do with echidnas? Yes! Alright, the Venus flytrap. Heck yes. Is a plant that I would love to own someday but I will not do it until I am successful with other plants. Because <laughs> I will feel more guilty if it dies because it seems more alive. Yes. Because <laughs> it's a carnivorous plant. I have to feed it flies, which would be great, because then it can eat all of my stupid flies. Yeah. All the gnats trying to eat my plants. Okay. But when <laughs> this plant chomps down on a victim, it releases and has a small magnetic field. Oh, what? Yep. So when it clamps down on food, a small magnetic field is created. Isn't that crazy? Why? What does it do? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but the link on, because it was like just a somewhat recent discovery and I didn't read too much about it. Um, but there is the link people can look into to learn more about it. Next time. Next you know? time. <laughs> Someday. One day I am going to do the Venus flytrap for my animal because why not? Yeah. It's a living plant that actually eats living things. <laughs> it's crazy. And creates magnetic fields. So and creates magnetic it's really fields. It's super terrible. It's true. It's it's another futuristic thing that we're going <laughs> to... We're going to turn into a Venus flytrap. <laughs> Echidna or Venus flytrap. Echidna <laughs> or Venus flytrap. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. Cool. <laughs> Thanks. Awesome. Awesome. No, awesome echidna. <laughs> <laughs>